Inside Happy Hour is a concept where um, it's a happy hour concept except without the party. Okay. Right? So it's an opportunity for interesting people who do dope things yeah. to talk about what they do. So okay. stand on their soapbox, so to speak. Okay. Right? I'm with it. Um, it's an opportunity for me to promote you and you to promote you as well. Perfect. Thus, the happy hour headshot, happy, happy hour, hour concept, gotcha. right? I'm with it. So um, I'm, I'm sitting here with Andrew Tudor. Uh, Andrew Tudor is a financial coach. Yep. Advisor um, and just uh, all around, just just dope person. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Know you. What I'm Thank so, you. So let me ask you. So who is Andrew Tudor? Not just what you do, yeah. but what what makes Andrew Tudor tick? Yeah. I love people first and foremost. Uh, I love music. I love adventures and new experiences. Um, I'm the son of a coach. So my father's a, a high school football and basketball coach. So I enjoy being in the room or being a part of somebody's growth. Like that's, that's enticing to me. It's addicting to me to help people succeed and self-actualize like another level. So I'm a coach at heart um, and a lover of people. Nice, 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 nice. So why financial planning or coaching? Yeah, well you can coaching? say plan. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a planner. So I have my certified financial planner's designation. Um, but I think all of our growth is rooted in somebody coaching us or like rooting us along and, and financial advisor has such a old bad in some areas connotation to it so I think coaching is really how I and we we'll talk about the we come about it but uh, why finances man um, finance is a big part of my story mm -hmm. so uh, my parents did well um, my father was a teacher and a coach. My mother worked at the post office. They made good money. They raised us well. They bought real estate throughout most of my childhood. So by the time I was in high school, we had three properties that we rented out. And, uh, and then 2008 happened. And, and as the market went backwards, a lot of the debt went backwards. And I found myself my, my junior year of college unable to take out a student loan, unable to pay for uh, the spring semester. And I was at Wittenberg University at the time and they made me pack my bags and go home because I had a $6,000 bill. And so, you know, I always loved math and I, I really got into banking by accident, but banking wasn't the place where I could like teach people and make families' trajectories different. And so that's why I choose to coach in the financial field. I feel like there's not a lot of people leveraging, relating, and making it accessible for specifically black folks and black communities. Wow, got you. Yeah, so, so it's, it's very, very important. Um, financial literacy is very important. 100%. And, and under, understanding um, where money comes from and where it should go. Correct. Where it should flow. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of us in the community like know it. And um, a lot of it has to do with just our upbringing. Like, Correct. Like, like 
what was the relationship, what was the money relationship growing up? Yeah. Coming up, like what were the conversations? For me? Yeah, no, I'm saying. Oh, that's, that's, that's what keeps people. I agree. Yeah, that's what yeah. keeps us in our space of yeah. not knowing and even being intimidated in some cases to not even talk about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's almost like if you don't talk about it, it's not there or it's not Correct. Avoidance, money avoidance. We talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So how many like people do you come across that you that you that end up being clients or you end up building a relationship with have that issue starting out? Most of them. I did. We all do. Um, I think it's one of the things our industry does that I really dislike is that we shame people. So we shame people on how they spend, what they want. Oh, if y'all, if y'all would just save your money and stop buying cars like that, then you'd have something, right? A, historically, it's not that simple. First and foremost, black folks have saved at a higher rate than their white counterparts for most of American history. They've also bought insurance at a higher rate than most of American history. So this narrative that we can't work together, we've actually built entire communities where we work together, self-sustaining, that were torn down, burned down, legislated out of those. So like those narratives aren't true, mm -hmm. but a lot of the scripts, we call them money scripts, a lot of the scripts that we follow around how we interact with money are informed by how our parents experienced money for me in the 70s and 80s, my parents, and then before that, in the 40s and 50s, just like what they could do and who they could trust. Mm -hmm. So like if I come across a black person in their 30s and 40s who's, who are earning well mm -hmm. and looking to make good financial decisions, we don't judge, we don't shame. And I am used to and sometimes assume that there are some bad money scripts about just how money should be used, what money's for, what problems can money solve versus what problems can't money solve, right? And so there's a lot of that that we talk about and we talk about it before we give any recommendations. Like I wanna know how money was for you growing up. I wanna know what money does for you. I wanna know if you avoid money, how often you check your accounts. I wanna know if you believe that people with money are bad. I wanna know if you believe that you have to be corrupt or do or get over on people to make money because I used to believe those things mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people who have been in communities that haven't had money that just have some beliefs around money that are just partial truths. They're not wrong. They're just partial truths or for you, they're not true anymore. Yeah. And so we got to talk about that. <laughs> so I grew up in a Baptist church. Okay. And everybody in the Baptist church are, you know, very meager, frugal, mm -hmm. supposed to be. Correct. Right? And <laughs> so growing up, we would talk about having money. We would talk about wanting this and wanting that. And the conversation around some of the elders was, um, that's not. In, that's in, not godly. That's not godly. That's not the Christian way. You're supposed to be humble. Like the biggest thing was tithing. Mm -hmm. It's like, but the, I feel like the conversation should be okay. Yes, we're gonna tithe because you know you you make a little, you save a little, you spend a little, and you um, invest a little. Correct. Or no, no. You or invest, give. Yeah. You invest and you give. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
that should have been the conversation, mm-hmm. but it was like, no, it, it was strictly around all about the tithing and, yeah. uh, and never about what what you should be able to retain or or build on your. And that's not biblical. Right. It's not biblical. Like the 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 and I grew up in the church as well, mm-hmm. and I grew up um, with a lot of loving, caring, well-meaning people. And I also grew up with some people with some bad money scripts mm-hmm. and some people who uh, thought that money was adversarial to spirituality, yeah. right? And so, you know, the lessons that come from that aren't always rooted in the spirit of the Bible. Now, I haven't been studying recently, but, you know, the, the, the parable of the talents, mm-hmm. right, that a certain amount is given to folks and how they grow, how they multiply those resources are pleasing to God, Mm -hmm. right? David was rich. Solomon was dumb rich. Mm -hmm. And like, we have entire books of the Bible written by them, songs of Solomon. You know how Solomon could sit around and write poems all day? Because he didn't have to wake up every day and work in the field. Like, so it's not as simple as that. And 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 I also give grace to those folks like they they grew up in a time where a lot of the things that we do just weren't possible. You couldn't find a black financial advisor. You couldn't buy stock on the Internet. The Internet didn't exist. You couldn't buy good life insurance policies. You couldn't go get a loan fairly. So like. I I don't hold them to our standards, but I also know that we can't live their standards a lot of times either. Not in these times. Uh, just, just financially, we just don't. The economy that ain't set up. That way. It's not set up it's the same not, way. We gotta grind. Or we gotta make better choices. We have to like. We have to trust people. We have to use our resources. Mm-hmm. We have to put debt in a in a good context, right? Mm-hmm. All debt's not bad, but some people can't handle debt, and like we need to be able to not just say, get debt free because debt is bad. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. yeah. So, so let me shift a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what does the word alchemist mean to you? Yeah. An alchemist is a person who, through a seemingly magical process, transforms things. Historically, alchemists were chemists, somewhat magicianal chemists, that could take anything and turn it into gold. The biggest one was turning lead into gold, right? And it's the transformation of that. And so I feel like through our process, by learning people, by by knowing what we know, by the softwares that we use and the human touch that we use, we can help people transform their money woes, but really just their relationship with money. So we're looking to transform that. The second part of that is the book, The Alchemist, which is my favorite book of all time. Mine as well. Um, it is about a person seeking to live their fully individualized, most fulfilling life, mm-hmm. right? Might be through travel, you know, uh, he's taking risks throughout. He has a guide helping him to make decisions. That guide also teaches him how to make his own great decisions, which is what we try to do. Um, and he's also doing it against conventional wisdom. And so 
our belief, my belief specifically, is that if we do it right, we're like the king in the book. We're helping you to decipher good decision making. We're taking, uh, we are charging a fee for the advice, just like the king is in that, in that conversation. And then helping people to be able to navigate their personally fulfilling life to the whatever destination is important for them. Nice. Now, you mentioned we. So, yeah. So we haven't introduced yeah. we yeah. as of yet. So yeah. you could just elaborate a little bit. And I let do us that. Know who, so, so Alchemist is, is, is um, a partner relative, yeah. relative to who you are, yeah. not only as a person, but as a businessman. So you just Agreed. share with us a little bit what Alchemist. Yeah. And, and a part of my journey is like working my way through the industry and figuring out how I wanted to do it, who I wanted to do it with, and what I wanted to do it for. Mm -hmm. I'm still on that journey, but the other side of the we is that my older brother, who's, who's my closest friend as well, Fred, um, Fred Tudor III, you know, my grandpa's a Fred, my dad's a Fred, my nephew's a Fred, but uh, you know, Fred is my, is my partner. 50-50 partnership, and uh, he has a background in banking. He is an MBA. He has a background. He launched his own business doing financial coaching, and so you know he brings a fully developed skill set that's different than mine. Um, number two, I trust him implicit, like explicitly. You know, um, when we have disagreements, which every business partner will have, it's never personal. You know, it's never that. I don't want the best for him or he doesn't want the best for me. We're disagreeing on this thing and we can leave it there, which is a blessing. Um, and then, you know, third, and I don't talk about this a lot, but um, in my formative years when I couldn't get back into school at Wittenberg, he cut the check. He cut the check. Um, I had gotten to the end of the semester. I couldn't, I didn't have all the money I needed to go back into school. He was getting his MBA and he had a refund check that came. Yeah. And out of the refund check, he deposited in my account. Six thousand. Yeah. So I was at like, and I don't remember the numbers. I might have been at 4,300 something, right. saving up as much as I could for that semester. And he wrote the rest of it. He said, tell me, how, you know, show me what you got. Right. I ain't going to just give you this money. Show me what you got. Yeah. And if you, whatever you need difference, I'll meet, I'll meet you there. And I didn't ask him for it. He offered it. And he's never talked about it again. That's love, bro. And so, like, when it comes to, you know, generational wealth, legacy building, when it comes to, like, when I, when I realized that no matter where I was building my business, I had partners, whether it was at the company I was with or uh, the organizations that I paid, I had partners and I was making them rich while I got rich, yeah. hopefully, right? There was nobody else I wanted to build that way but him. That's dope. That's dope. Yo, I want to thank you for tuning in to this Headshot Happy Hour conversation. I hope that the conversation and the dialogue is one that you're finding inspiring and uplifting. Because that's the whole concept of Headshot Happy Hour. It is my contribution to community. It is my way of diving into interesting conversations with interesting people who have a need to know. Everybody has a story, and we want to hear yours. 
So what I would like for you to do is reach out to me. You can DM me on any social media platform. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Let's have a headshot happy hour. I look forward to hearing from you. Let's get back to the episode. So how does accounting play a part in, in achieving oh. financial freedom? Yeah. Your biggest expense in life will be taxes. <laughs> if you're earning well, even if you're not earning well, right? 10, 15, 20% of your gross income will be paid to the government. And so, first and foremost, you should probably have a strategy for how you go about paying taxes. Yeah. And not paying it specifically, but mitigating it, right? Not overpaying, right? There are legal, encouraged ways to reduce your tax burden. We should talk about that, right? And so it started by just referring people to our new partner, uh, Candace Hayes McGinnis. She's a CPA, she has a master's in accounting, and we would send clients to her, we would work with her, and she does a phenomenal job for people. And we wanted to figure out how to make our partnership more formal, um, how to make sure she was available for our clients as well. Um, and so we launched Cast Accounting at the beginning of this year. And the, re and, and, and the second part of that, besides taxes being your biggest um, expense, mm -hmm. is that a lot of our heroes in the black community, taxes put them through the ringer. I'm sure. Steve Harvey just had an episode of EYL talking about owing millions of dollars in taxes. Man. Fat Joe just talked about it. We know Wesley Snipes, right? And it's like... It's not easy to navigate, and they're not stupid people. Yeah. The system is tough. Mm -hmm. And in three, all three of those scenarios, they had an accountant taking the money, acting like they were paying the taxes, and they weren't paying the taxes. And so we want to be a place where people come, trust, we work through it with them, and then they go about their day. They don't have to worry about whether we skimming off the top or any of that stuff, because business and business building and life's too hard to not be able to trust your account. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so I, I just, so I, I, I full transparency, I, I, that is tax time, and you see me stumbling over my words because I'm trying to find the tax Nervous, man. Breathe it out. Tax time is always the most stressful time of the year for me, and it has been since maybe 2010. Okay. So um, around 2007, I, I became a consultant um, with an organization through the Cincinnati Public School System, right? And I didn't know, I didn't know shit about taxes. No, so no one does. Just, just full transparency. So I would get the checks, and I would not put back. I had someone to help me to calculate what I should be putting back, mm -hmm. but when life takes hold, yeah, it, it you you either I don't want to say I forget, but you you just you just unconsciously you don't have forget. a system. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't put back. So um, man, over time, it just it kept it kept interest piled up and the bill piled up. I never put. I was like ten thousand dollars in debt with taxes. Yeah. By time, by time it clicked in my head, dude, you gotta, 
you gotta make you gotta get this right. Like you yeah. have no choice but to get it right. And then when when they start sending letters about liens and yeah. stuff like that, that's when you you really kick in the gear, right? They the worst creditor, man. Man, it took me I wanna I wanna say it took me six years. It took me six years to pay off that ten thousand dollars debt. I understand. Right? And with my business now, like I've I've gone ahead and started setting aside the money to do it, but there were still certain parts of accounting that that weren't being accounted for. Agreed. It's it's not all uh, I think the way, right way to put it, it's not all common sense. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not, not all common and, sense. And we can try to make it make sense. So I went to buy a house um, like two years ago. Yeah. Buy a house. I, I had I met, had business um, business taxes and everything mixed with W twos. Well, ten ninety nine is mixed yep, with W twos, yep, yep. right? Um, and man, I my the, the the mortgage person that I was dealing with, he just he laughed like, dude, who's doing your taxes? And, and I had say? to tell him I was doing them. Me. <laughs> I had to tell him I was doing them. He yeah. laughed at me, man. It was like, dude, like, look, hold on. First of all, like, this is a lot of money here. Yes. And, like, you know, you got certain write-offs that, dude, you, you ain't spend that much on advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> like, I said, so actually, I did. Yeah. I said because it's it's mixed in with certain promotions and stuff. So actually, I did. I said he said, man. Oh, he said, all right. Well, okay. That's neither here nor well, there. Well, you shouldn't. Next have. year, <laughs> he said. Next year, you get you a professional tax person. For sure. He said because when you start trying to buy houses and, and, and assets and start building your assets, you, you can't you can't operate like this. Like, right. We need it. We need everything a lot because. Because where, where you have actual write-offs, it don't seem like they should be. And where you should have written, written off certain things, you don't have you don't it. Have it. Mm -hmm. So you need to get some, some better accountability. Yeah. So I did that. Yeah. I did that last year. Um, I did, didn't really like the tax person. So this year I'm using cash. And okay. so far it's been an awesome experience. Cash has that. been very like um, um, attentive. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's dope. So that's I, good, man. I, I, that's so good to hear, yeah, man. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of folks, it, it's tough, man. Like, it's tough paying somebody to do what you feel you can do yourself. <laughs> First and foremost, yeah. right? And it's also a mindset shift. I could do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident enough to think I could do it well. Mm -hmm. But is it worth the time and the energy? Because at the end of the day, you probably can't do it that well. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's tough, man. And, and, we, and we feel people when they get there. I love that I'm a business owner. I feel like you feel. Mm -hmm. This year, mm -hmm. I'm like, man, we've got our Alchemist Well business. The CAS business is an accounting business, but we paying accounting fees in there. Mm -hmm. My wife has a business. We have an investment club. Like, yo, this tax bill is getting high. Yeah. And I'm like, man, we paying a lot of money for accounting help and tax help. And then it's done. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad I paid. I'm so right glad. I'm so glad I paid. And I'm so glad that I have the right person yeah. that explained it to me, that answered my phone calls, mm -hmm. 
and that in the event I'm ever audited by the IRS will represent me for them in front of them. Like that stuff is, and there's some people who are willing to pay for that. And there's some people who ain't, and that's okay. I ain't mad at them, it's just, you ain't, you might not be there yet. So, so where I'm at with it is, is, is just that the peace of mind that I got, you know, when I dropped that, <laughs> that, that price um, and, and I got that, that notice saying, okay, we received this, we received all your documents. Um, in the event that you receive a tax letter, make sure you send it to me. Mm-hmm. Just send it to me. Just don't send it. Don't even it. Yeah, send, send it to, it to me. me. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll deal with it accordingly. That, part. that peace of mind. Like that makes me feel so much more confident. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like I, I speak all the time, I say this: the more my business grows, because like my, my business is growing, and the, the level of business that I'm doing, yeah. with the, the the level of, of clientele that I'm that I'm like taking on, yeah, dude, things have to be done right, man. They do. Efficient. Like I can't be worried about this thing over here because it takes away, it takes the energy from what I really need to be doing over here. Agree. So there's a lot of things that I'm starting to outsource and, and make sure that are starting to be like more legitimate. You know They're I mean? all scary when you outsource them. Yeah. It gets easier once you build the muscle of, okay, I'm going to train this person to do what I used to do. or I'm going to hire this person to do what I used to do. I still want to manage and make sure they're doing it well. Yeah. But I think what it does, for me, I'll speak personally. The first time I started hiring people who charge what I would call a premium for their services. And then on the other end of it, I said, that was worth the money. I allowed myself to charge a premium for my services. I didn't charge a premium for my services until after I hired my coach that I thought was expensive, my accountant that I thought was expensive. Like it took me outlaying more money than I thought I should and getting more back than I thought I would to be able to say, man, I'm just as good as them in my space. I should be able to charge a premium. And I guess I'm looking for people who think like me. (laughs) Right. Because I'm now willing to outlay money for professional, accountable, referred, well-reviewed people who I actually like. Mm -hmm. Like if I got all five of those things, like hit me with the price and it's worth paying that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that goes along with that, that, that relationship with money thing. It's like. It's hard for you to charge. I remember when I when I up my prices. And mm-hmm. I just up my prices within the last, well, actually, I, I, do, I do incremental um, um, increases throughout the, throughout the year. But when I finally jumped, made that jump that was, like, really scary, and, mm-hmm. and, and I cringed after saying the number yep. and just waited, and it was the, that, that, that moment of silence, mm-hmm. like, waiting for them to say, oh, okay. When I made that jump, it was hard. It's hard. Because... But the thing about it was, it was because I wasn't spending on valuable. I wasn't spending that premium money on valuable service myself. So how can I ask this person for this thing? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of money. It's a correct. It's a it's a mindset shift that that it, it still boggles me to this day. And I yeah. still I got some I still got some leaps. 
I understand. But when I made that one leap, dude, it was like, oh, man. Just waiting for this. Yeah. And you got to be there. And you got to sit through the discomfort. Yeah. And you got to not offer the discount. And you got to practice it in the mirror before you get there. Because you don't want the first time you say it out loud to be in front of somebody's face. And they see you twitching a little bit because you don't really believe it. It's, it's growth, man. Yeah. Like, all growth is uncomfortable. Like, it, it is. It's the definition of it. But if you stay in your same prices, I remember somebody told me, you can't change your price for the old customers because what are they going to think? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. landlords change the price on rent all the time. Cost of living went up 8% year over year last year. Like, if you're not raising your prices. How are you living? You can't keep up with the, the only way you can live is to keep working harder and harder with more people at the same price. And in your third year, you should be better than you were year one. You should be able to charge more because you should be better. If you're not better in your third year, if you're not charging on your third year, like your business is really in trouble. And it takes you getting around people who think that to convince yourself, all right, you're right, I'm going up. And you're like, bro, I'm about to go up. I got two business owners, I'm like, man, I'm about to go up, it feel uncomfortable. And then three weeks later, I'm like, whoo, man, I'm so glad I went up. Because I get my life back, I get my margins back, I get my boundaries back. So yeah, I understand that so much, man. So how do you feel uh, one begins to achieve financial freedom? Mm. Begins, they need to know what they want. Mm-hmm. They also need to know how much they need to live. I think there's a few, there's levels. The first level is financial security. Mm-hmm. The next level is really what I would call a financial strategy. Mm-hmm. And then there's like financial independence, right? So like security is I'm paying everybody. Yeah. I'm paying everybody. I ain't got enough to not work, but working, I'm paying everybody. <laughs> security. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a different leap. Under security, is hard out here. Mm-hmm. Once you get to security, then it's strategy. It's like, okay, I'm saving 10%, 20%. I'm putting some money in retirement. I got an emergency fund. Like, like how do I navigate doing money well? And then eventually you get to independence, which says, I have enough that I don't have to work anymore. I don't know very many people who are at independence. Most of those people retire. That's not true. We think it's retirement, but most people don't retire. They hit the number, and then they don't have to work. So usually they just change how they move, what they do, who they do it for, because I don't need the money. but. I still like adding value. I still like serving people. I still like the community part of business building. It's fun yeah. once you get there. So like, how do you go about it? You need to know what your security number is. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife's security number is $5,400. Okay. That's like pay everybody, buy good groceries, and not sit in the house all day. Yeah. That's like that's how much we need. My financial number a month, I'll tell her, is $10,800. That's what I want a month today. Now that's 2022 numbers. And in order for me to do that long, long term, it's like $150,000 gross to net that. (laughs) And then 
if I multiply that times 25, it gives me what my net portfolio number would be to do that. Gotcha. And for me, that's like 3.7 million. Nice. So that changes over time. It depends on expenses. But like, I think people need to know their numbers. What is, what is your break even? It's just like business. What's your break even? What's a good month? What's a great month? And then we can talk about how we get there. But the hardest part of my job, it's actually impossible, is helping somebody get to a goal that they don't know. Man, 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 man. So, so part of, part of, but one of the, the biggest things, like you said, is doing business is knowing your numbers. Knowing your numbers. You can't, you can't make those jumps, you can't scale back, you can't scale up unless you have, have that, that target. Correct. You gotta have that target. Once I realized that, so, <clears throat> 2020, I spent I spent thousand dollars on a, a, a business course, a photography business course, and it wasn't it wasn't so much about um, how they did the business for me. It was more so because their their numbers was astronomical, like like crazy. Mm -hmm. But it was the mindset around how they came about achieving that number that, that, that they have, right? Yes. So it was first, know your numbers. What are your expenses? Um, you know, they ask questions like, um, what type of tools do you need? Uh, is education a part of it? Yeah. You know, what, what are your resources? They asked all those different things. You had to put all that in. Dude, when I looked at all those numbers and I looked at what it take for me to live, then yeah. what it take for me to run a business, so it wasn't no way in, in the world nobody was gonna get no hundred dollar photo shoot. That's yo, yes. <laughs> ever again. Yes, man. I lost money. Ever again, <laughs> bro. Ever again. Yeah. And there's so many people who operate with just looking at, yo, I just made this number. Yo, that's a lot. That's cool. But when you look at everything and the time that it takes to do everything, like everything, everything has a number yeah. attached to it. Everything yeah. has a price attached to it. Like, if I have a phone call, whether it's five minutes, whether it's 15 minutes, that's an hour to me. Yeah. That's an hour to me, because when we hang up, I still got more things. The back end to do it, yeah. Room. I got to log so, that, yeah, I got to. Like, so when I started looking at that, it made me more comfortable with saying, yo, it, I don't want to, I don't want to burn out. How One of the scariest things is burning out. I agree. Because How hard was it for you to pay the $1,000? back then <laughs> yo i put this thing in a cart like five different times <laughs> that's it, bro. yes that's I, put, it. I put it in a cart i i go back research some more watch a couple of little mm -hmm. testimonial videos yeah. go back yeah. it was hard it was hard it was but hard. when i made it when i made it i promise you within the first five minutes it started to change my mind well it didn't really change my mindset. It just kind of reinforced some of the things that I already knew yeah. about, about my relationship with money. Man. Agree, agree. And we don't talk about, like, I know people who are in 40, 50 years of their business, mm. right? And I'm in my, really in my second year mm -hmm. at Alchemist, first year in cast, mm -hmm. and, like, what I know now that I didn't know two years ago, I could write two books on. Yes. So if I find somebody 30, 40 years in business with proof, mm -hmm. let alone in my field, mm -hmm. 
they can help my third year be their eighth year, my fourth year be their 15th year. I can bridge, I can time travel, I can bridge the gap between where, where I want to go gets way closer and it costs money. And like how much money is it worth to jump five years of knowledge, of experience, of just stories you tell yourself, like, like really good business consulting, good mentorship is invaluable. You can't put a price on it. And I just, but bad, there's nothing worse than paying money, getting in there, learning nothing. And then you like, see, that's why you don't pay for stuff because they just scamming. So you got to find good ones. Social proof. I don't, I don't want to see nobody who hasn't built a bit. Like, if you don't have what I want or you haven't built what I'm trying to build, you can't advise me. Yeah, for sure. But if you have, though, like, I'm there, I'm early, I'm sitting in the front row, I got my notes out, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you, you have the ability to transform my trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, one of the best things I could have did was buy that coaching program. Good, and, man. Uh, you know, Honestly, I still haven't gone through the whole thing. I don't think you necessarily can. You need two things. Like you, you gotta, yeah, man, you gotta work on it. Like you really have to, you gotta watch it, put it into practice, make sure that it's efficient. Mm-hmm. Then go back and, and reiterate everything and then move on to the next thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, what I was able to do was take the, the the biggest thing for me was that that mindset shift of of the financial piece, man. That was the biggest thing. Um, you know, marketing, all that stuff. That's that's the next level. Yeah, that's the next level. You know what I mean? But that the, the biggest thing was just you know structure, the pricing structure, and all of that stuff. You mm-hmm. know, so that's dope, man. Um, so. Let's say, I know, I know you're big on, um, uh, as far as the, the banking system go, like you're, now I won't say you're against, but you don't like the traditional, um, like, like say 401ks and yeah. things like that. Like what's your philosophy on the different savings strategies? Yeah, I'm, I'm still working through that. Uh, I'll tell you where I am now, though, full transparency. Um, now that I work with wealth creators, mm-hmm. I work with people like you mm-hmm. who make exponential leaps. They create and build things that generate money. They have a mentality in which I know how to earn and I, I can put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. For wealth creators, the 401k or the IRA system can be um, adversarial, right? So if I go to an accountant, my accountant's gonna tell me that I should max out my 401k or my IRA because it reduces my taxes today. That is true. But if I'm 34 years old and I'm a business builder, 41 year old and a business builder, I can't access that capital until I'm 59 and a half without penalty. If I do, I pay my income tax rate, which is usually pretty high if I'm earning well, plus 10% penalty. Mm -hmm. 
So I've watched entrepreneurs for the last six years of my career put money in there for a tax deduction and then take it out and pay 50 to 60% of it to get it back out in three years, four years, because they find a new business opportunity, because they find a new real estate investment, you know, or they get in trouble and need it, yeah. right? So watching that happen makes me say, maybe that's not the way to do it. So I'm not against it. It's a, it's a strategy. And I love the 401k if you're getting a match and you're a W-2 employee and you, and it, you put it in, you know, month over month, paycheck over paycheck, long-term, steady growth, tortoise. I'm cool with that. But that's not who I ended up working with. And a lot of folks are more dynamic than that. And they, need their, they want their money to be more dynamic than that. And so I recommend they invest in investment accounts that are non-retirement. Mm. That they put the money in there, that they let it grow, but they can access it without penalty if they need it in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Gotcha. So we're talking Roth IRAs, IRAs. So a Roth IRA if they can access it. Uh, Roth 401k if they've got it at work. But just a brokerage account. Investment oh. brokerage account. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You open up a brokerage account, you put the money in there after tax, mm -hmm. it's growing, you have some long-term capital gains tax, but you have access. Mm -hmm. When people talk about 401ks don't cost anything, they do. They cost you access. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the fees inside. Usually the fees are fine, but it costs you access. Um, and so there's there's groups of people who are not disciplined enough they need that barrier they can't get it the fact that they can't get it keeps them from touching it and that's good long term mm -hmm. but there are people who are disciplined who are savers mm -hmm. who are holding 50 to 100,000 dollars in cash because they save well and if they come across a new business opportunity a new real estate opportunity being able to touch that money can be worth exponentially absolutely the other thing we don't talk about with traditional IRAs or with um, traditional 401ks is your window to access that money is very short and very is relative but from age 60 to death actually it's from 60 to 72 because at age 72 if you're not taking the money out they make you take it out with required minimum distributions so I have a 12 year window that I can choose whether I take it out or not at 72, they're going to make you take it out. Yeah. And if you die with the money in there, whoever inherits that usually has to take it out within five years of you dying. So it is not a good legacy asset to pass on. Gotcha. Wow. And, and, and if you don't know, the crazy part about that short window, mm -hmm. if, if you haven't been educated on where to distribute that, those uh, funds or allocate those funds, it's just, it, it was, it's all, it's all in vain. You're in trouble. Meeting somebody in their late 60s who's finding out for the first time that at age, it used to be 70 and a half, but at age 72, they've got to pull the money out and they don't need it. Wow. They've got a pension or they've got other money or they've got a spouse or they still working. They running businesses and they, and they don't need that money. Mm -hmm. And at 72, the government says, take some out and pay us our cut. It's infuriating especially if I'm at a high tax rate. Yeah. It's infuriating, like, you're gonna make me take it out? And the government says, hey, we've never taxed it. We let you ride this out for 30 years, you put it in when you was 40, you 72, pay us. 
But it's like, I ain't get to do nothing with it. <laughs> you did get something. You got a tax deduction back in the day. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the worst part is when, when family members inherit it, because most people who inherit money don't really, they don't know nothing about it. Correct. They come into this windfall and they feel like we got it, but they don't realize how much they being taxed. No, no, we've got a distribution we're doing now for a couple. I calculated it on Friday. And they have to pull out, they've got five years to pull it out, and they have to pull out one-fifth of the money. And they're paying 47% state, federal, and local taxes on that money. And they don't need any of it. They would rather let it ride for their grand, for their children, let it ride long term. But no, they can't. So they've got to take $100,000 out, pay the government $47,000 in taxes, and then put the other 53 back in into another investment account and hope that rides out. Yeah, it's infuriating. So when we talk about uh, 401ks, IRAs, pre-tax, and you like, I've got a million dollars, you don't got a million dollars. The government is like, yo, this our money. <laughs> like, you, you might have 60% of that, 70% of that, but this is our money. Wow. So make sure that you take good care of our money. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. So we're going to talk about how to find you. Yeah. But before we do that, I just want to know. So, if, if, so typically, the people that Alchemist works with uh, would be someone who makes what? Yeah, usually we're at $100,000 of income okay. at, at the minimum. We, we charge an annual retainer for individuals. Right now, it's, it's about $5,000. For couples, it's about $6,000 a year. And so we don't like being more than 5% of somebody's income. Gotcha. Um, and a lot of the strategies that we're doing really take hold past that. This episode of Headshot Happy Hour is brought to you by Shambell Thomas Photography a full-scale boutique photography studio located in the beautiful urban industrial community, Kent, Washington, which is located just five minutes from the heart of downtown Cincinnati. Shondell Thomas Photography Studio offers a wide range of boutique package print products from books to canvases to beautifully crafted prints. Shondell Thomas Photography Studio is in the business of capturing memories that last more than a lifetime. We would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us with any photographic idea that you might have. We can get as creative as you would like. Email us at askme at shondell.com. That's askme at Shondell.com. Love to hear from you. Let's get back to the episode. Okay, so Andrew, where, where can we find you? Yeah. Personal, I'll do personal and I'll do business. Personally, um, you can find me Instagram at Mr. Wealth Coach. Okay. Uh, also LinkedIn, I put out a lot of content on LinkedIn and have, have following growing there. And it's just my name, Andrew Tudor on LinkedIn. On the professional side, Alchemist Wealth, so at Alchemist Wealth on Instagram, at Alchemist Wealth on LinkedIn, and then on the accounting and tax side, uh, we do tips and things there on that side. It's at Cast Accounting on Instagram, so C-A-S-T, uh, Cast Accounting, 
and then LinkedIn as well, Casta County. Cool. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you. Conversation I've had. Um, I'm looking forward to having you back, man. I'm quite Absolutely. sure. So you starting to do this speaking thing? I'm speaking, more. man. Yeah. So I, maybe, maybe you might get me on a, on the flip side. Come on. And have me on one of your shows. Absolutely, so, man. man. So if you if speaking engagements, people need. I'm looking at universities. I'm looking at organizations, okay. employers. Uh, they talk about money, but also really to talk about the psychological side of money, like money scripts, what it's like. Um, and then also business building, you know, uh, being b building businesses and in consulting and helping people build businesses. Um, I feel really comfortable and really inspiring and helping folks to learn how to know their numbers, how to build their businesses and how to make their businesses serve their lives. Yeah, nice.